Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Joseph and Jasmine, for, uh, for just that incredible testimony that I love how God does things because he set up completely what it is that I want to talk on this morning. And, uh, you know, Ashish a few weeks ago gave an incredible, incredible message on faith. And I want to just recap his first four, his four main points for us, because they're such important things and they, they relate to that testimony. They relate to how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. And the first thing is he said that faith is not static. Uh, it, faith leads to a choice and those choices lead to actions. Second, that faith is not a mental activity. It's an experience. And third, that faith is based on reason. It's not blind. And fourth, that faith is being open-minded to Jesus. Now, I share those with us because, you know, this last year, we really focused on our relationship with God, putting practices in our life that draw us closer to God, that allow us to just be aware of what God's doing and really focused on the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are not things we bring about by our own strength. These are things that come about as we walk closely with God and we're allowing God to transform our lives through Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And there's just, I've been watching what God's been doing and what he's been saying through the different speakers we've had through, what he's been speaking to the elders. And my real sense of the direction that God is taking us for this next year is that we would see the gifts of the Spirit be manifesting in the lives of the church. Now, if you've been part of LifeHouse for any long period of time, it's something we've taught on a lot before, but really it's not something we've spoken on since the pandemic began. And I really feel God saying that it's this time where we have the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit manifesting in the church so that we're able to truly reflect Jesus to those around us. The other thing that God's been speaking to me about, and sorry, this wire, there we go, the wire just bugging me here, the... Um, is that God is going to multiply through this church in many different ways, through people that call Lifehouse home in Waterloo, here in Mississauga. He spoke to me literally about millions of people coming to know Jesus through this group of people here. Now, that may sound crazy to you when I say something like this, but here's how that's achieved. Do you know that we would achieve... Over a million people in the next 11 years coming to know Jesus, if everyone here every year just led one person to Jesus and taught them to do the same. That's you leading 11 people to Jesus over the next 11 years and teaching them to do the same. That happens and over a million people, over a million people will come to know Jesus It's not that impossible. It's not impossible at all. It's actually us living Christianity. It's us reflecting Jesus, allowing Jesus to work in our lives and us allowing him to work through us. When you think about that, 11 people, that's it. That's if each one of our responsibility, 11 people 
over the next 11 years and over a million people in, in, will come to know Jesus. Incredible math, you know, and totally possible. Not by our own strength, but not by, you know, it doesn't, when you hear a number like that, it doesn't seem like, oh, well, that's how, that's, that's not possible. That cannot be, you know, that can't happen. Actually, it sounds really possible, doesn't it? Oh, what do you think? Does it sound, does it sound unrealistic that you would be able to, to lead 11 people over, disciple 11 people over the next 11 years to know Jesus? Does that sound impossible? No? Do you have faith? that that's possible in your life through Jesus working in your life. Because again, you know, faith, it's not static. It leads to a choice and that choice leads to an action. So if you have faith that it's possible for you to lead one person a year over the next 11 years, if you truly believe that, it's not just a nice idea, but yeah, absolutely, I can do that. Then that's going to lead to a choice. And it's going to lead to a choice of looking for the opportunities that God's giving you to speak to people about Jesus, to to share your faith with them. It's also going to lead to a choice that you would allow the fruits of the Spirit to manifest in your life by you choosing to walk closely with Jesus so he can work through you. And the choice to ask God for the gifts of the Spirit to be working in and through your life. Let's talk about those gifts for a moment. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11. I'm going to read it really quickly because these are, sorry, the, yeah, these are the, some of the gifts of the Spirit. And here it says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. And to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are at work, or are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines So those are gifts that God gives and he gives them out. That Jesus gives them through the Holy Spirit to his church and they're gifts. You don't earn them. It's a gift. And you can ask God for those gifts. Say, Lord, I would like the gift of healing so that if I come across people that are sick, that need healing, that, that I would know what to do and I would be able to have faith and trust in you that you're going to work through me for that healing to manifest in the person's life. Or God, I ask for wisdom that I would be able to speak things to people and that, that I wouldn't know. And in doing that, in, with that gift of wisdom, that you would be able to work through me and speak into other people's lives. There's all these amazing gifts that we have that Jesus has for his church.
And they're available to each and every one of us. And by the very nature of a gift, you don't earn it. It's not that you have to work for that gift. You don't earn it. You ask God and receive it from him. And receive it from him. Romans 12, 6 to 8, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, and this is not an exhaustive list. Just if it's, you know, there's all kinds of different gifts that God gives. There's gifts of music. There's gifts, you know, there's talents for art. There's all kinds of gifts. There's gifts of, you know, athletic ability. Gifts of, you know, uh, intelligence for work and different giftings that we all have. There's such a, you know, abundant of gifts that God gives. But there's these supernatural ones that I'm wanting to draw our attention to because Jesus demonstrated that his church is a supernatural church. He demonstrated that what is possible when we partner with the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives. And that is, for each and every one of us, something that needs to be something we have faith for. It's a faith that will cause us to take action. It's a faith that is not based on mental activity. It's an experience. It's a faith that is not blind. It's, not, it's actually reasonable. And it's a faith that's open-minded that Jesus actually, what he said and did, is available to each and every one of us in the church. That's the faith. You know? And he wants to work in and through you. It's not a faith that only gets exercised when you come to church on a Sunday. This is a faith that gets exercised in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in the shopping centers. It's that you would have confidence for God to work through you. It was very rarely at a meeting that Jesus operated in miracles. He operated miracles out on the street. He operated in miracles. You know, sometimes it happened in a synagogue. Sometimes it happened when he had a whole group. Often it would happen that he would go to a place and like the people would hear Jesus is here and people would just come flocking to him because they needed the kingdom of God to manifest in their life. Wouldn't it be amazing if your house was known as the house of miracles on your street, that when people needed to come to hear from God or when people needed a touch from God, they knew to come and knock on your door because they knew God was present with you. That is the life of a Christian. That's the life that God's calling each and every one of us to, and that is fully available to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, the author and the perfecter of our faith is Jesus Christ. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. It's where everything is and, and comes from and originates. It's not us. I, you know, the wonderful thing is, is that, I mean, no one was praying. That's not true. Joseph was praying for Jasmine. I'm sure others were praying for her. But in that moment, no one was laying hands on Jasmine and God doing something. He sovereignly moved in that meeting and brought healing into her life and took her through this amazing process, you know, that in terms of her knowing him and her trusting in him. And there's times where God moves in in people laying hands on someone. There's all kinds of different things. But the amazing thing is it's, it wasn't 
It was Jasmine's surrender to God that I kept hearing through that testimony. Her surrender to God. It's like, God, even if you don't heal me, I'll serve you. No, I will, I will trust you regardless of what's going on. This is not the way that I want to live, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust what you have for me. You know, and it, will we partner with God with that level of trust? Someone asked me this week, they're saying, you know, often we'll, we'll say in a meeting, you know, and say, uh, uh, like Lee might get a word or someone else gets a word that God is wanting to heal people or he's doing something. And Often in this setting, for time's sake, we're not calling people up and, and getting them to testify. But every time we do that, we have people coming up to us saying, that was for me, and God's done this. God's healed this. God's healed that. And I really, it's something of us testifying has got to become really important again in this community so that we would testify to what God is doing to encourage and build each other up. You know, we'd be able to have testimonies when we're coming to our small groups or when we're coming to youth or we're coming to young adults or even coming here on a Sunday of what God has done through the week because your faith anticipates that, of course, God will work through you. He'll work through you. And, and he will. He loves you. He wants to work through you. I love this definition of spiritual formation. It's from uh, Robert Mulholland who has, has passed away in his book, Invitation to a Journey. He says, true spiritual formation, what it is, is spiritual formation is a process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. For the sake of others. You know, our walk with Jesus, our being formed into the image of Jesus, part of that thing is not for our sake, it's for the sake of others. Do we benefit? Yes. But if we just simply have a relationship with Jesus for what we can get from that, we've missed the point. And God wants to work in and through our lives for the sake of others. Again, I love what Jasmine's saying this morning, God, and God's speaking to her and saying, hey, I'm doing this in you so that you can testify to others and bring hope and encouragement to others. You know, that you're going to do this. God's worked in your life. You have a story. Every one of us has a story we can share. Every one of us has times where God's worked. There's things that he's been doing. Most of us, God has brought from another part of the world to this place where there's all these other people from all these other cultures and all these other places where we get to freely, without fear of being killed, share Jesus. We can share him. You've been brought to this amazing place this ridiculously expensive place, but amazing place where you get to share the love of God, where you get to tell people about Jesus. You get to tell people about Jesus. You may have come here for a job or for a better life. You may have come for all kinds of different reasons, but I want to tell you that God foresaw you coming and he has a plan and purpose for your life in advancing the kingdom of God right here in Ontario and beyond. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. So, I think I can get through this quick enough. Hmm. 
You know, John, the gospel of John, incredible gospel. It's very different, right? And you read the Bible, if, you, if you've read the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all are, you know, written and, and they kind of function in this very similar way. And then there's the gospel of John, and it's quite different. And it starts out in a very different way. But the gospel of John was written, you know, it was the last gospel that was written. It was the last account of Jesus, written later than the other ones. And when John wrote it, he was writing it, you know, not only to Jewish believers, but very specifically as a evangelistic tool. And so that those that were both, were both pagans or Gentiles and Jews would be able to read this and understand who Jesus was. And I want to read a little bit of this today, again, for, for us to put our foundation on the right thing, but also to give us some tools to be able to share Jesus with others. You okay with that? And I'm going to try to do that, you know, in the next 10 minutes. So John 1, it starts out in John 1 verses 1 to 5, and it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a little poetic, but confusing. And it's confusing because we often will read this through different eyes or, or through things of understanding. For example, when John says, in the beginning was the word. The word, the Greek word here is logos. So in the beginning, there was logos. Now, often in logos, the word logos, we translate to be like the spoken word of God. And so sometimes when this is taught, it's taught from the perspective, oh, okay, this must be John's writing. Well, in the beginning, there was the spoken word of God. But actually, Logos, this had a very specific meaning to the Hellenists or the Greek culture that he was writing into, the Roman Greek culture. And so Logos, for them, it was an ancient Greek philosophy and early Christian theology, the divine reason implicit in the cosmos, ordering it and giving it form and meaning. So, and then the other word he uses here is light. And light, for Greeks, had a very specific, you know, spiritual meaning as well. For them, light, when we they use this word that's here, it's called P-H-O-S, phos. In the New Testament, the manif- light is the manifestation of God's self-existence in life, divine illumination to reveal and impart life through Christ. In the philosophy that was common at this time in this part of the world, which was Neoplatism, it held that there's a single source of all reality from which every existing thing radiates, like light rays emitting from the sun. So with that in mind, I want to reread this. In the beginning, there was the word or the logos, the divine reason or implicit with its implicit in the cosmos, that which would order the cosmos. In the beginning, there was this creator God that ordered everything. And you know, in Greek 
culture, there was a creator God. In almost every major religious belief today, there is a creator God. And so John, in writing this, is saying, hey, that creator God that you believe in, he was there in the beginning. You know, that the, he, the, he was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When we see word here, it's a title for Jesus. It's a title for Jesus. And he's saying that creator, everything, everything that, that where life manifests for, uh, from, everything that puts things in order in this universe was there. And when you see, God, it says with God, with Theos, in the beginning. And then, He goes on in verse 9 and he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So again, light being the manifestation of God's self-existent life. Divine illumination there to reveal and impart life through Christ. So that true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, as in, and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision. Or of a husband's will, but born of God. That word name, onoma, it means reputation, name, reputation. You know, we use terms like I've made a name for myself. So those that believe that Jesus actually was who he said he was, that believed in the reputation of who Jesus was, that later on he'll go and say that he was the Christ. Those that believed that he was who he said he was, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, it says, the word, so the logos, it became flesh. And this word flesh is the word sarx. It's the same word we use in Greek for fleshly nature. It was talking about the fact that Jesus became human just like you and I. Had the same fallen, broken flesh to deal with that you and I did. That same nature. And this word, he became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In verse 16, it says, Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. The Greek word here is charis. And that grace is a state of kindness and favor towards someone, often with a focus on the benefit given to the object. 
So out of his fullness, we've received this kindness, this favor. And it's favor that's in place of favor we've already received. And then he goes on in verse 17 and says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is close is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. I share this because you can talk to anyone from any religious background and you'll be able to find that they have a concept of a creator. Whether you're talking to someone of an indigenous background, a Hindu background, a Muslim background, you know, or many others. If you talk to someone, which is very common here, that just says they're spiritual, they'll have an idea of a creator. And being able to introduce and talk about Jesus, it gives you a grounding right here to talk. So you know that creator that you believe in? Well, I believe that that creator, that creator that was from the beginning, that created this incredible world we live in, that created this universe that we don't understand, that we can't even begin to imagine, that creator, that creator came and became a human. He came and was born here in this world. He lived amongst us. That he demonstrated this. My faith in Jesus, my faith, my reasonable faith is that he was a real historical person. He really lived. He really died. And he really rose from the grave. And that while he lived, he not only taught some incredible stuff about who God was, but he demonstrated the kingdom of God. And that as a follower of Jesus, I also, because of the same Holy Spirit that was with, partnered with Jesus, lives in me. And I can demonstrate the kingdom of God to you as well. Certainly not as perfectly as Jesus. But that our hope, our hope and our, that we have, our faith, is, is in a very alive and living God. And that you can share that very alive and living God and ask God, God, what do you want me to say to this person? What do you want me, how can, how do you want to demonstrate yourself to this person? And then do whatever God tells you to do. Because he's very much alive and very much in you and very much with you. Our faith is not just in a story. Our faith is not just in an idea. Our faith is in a God who's very much alive and very much with us. And whoever you talk to, you can share and demonstrate. Not every person you talk to is going to want to accept Jesus. You know, we see that by Jesus himself. Not every, most people didn't want to accept him. But, you know, he found 11 that did he had 12 followers, but 11 accepted who he was, who he said he was. There's 11 out there for you over these next 11 years, and maybe more than that over that, the next 11 years after that. But I believe that there's people that God is going to send to you. There's people that God will send to you. Because he will know that you're safe and that you will tell them about Jesus. 
And if, if you don't feel confident in that right now, then I would ask you to ask God for that gift. Just ask God to help you to be able to share the love of God with other people, to be able to share, equip you to share about Jesus with other people. You know, the gift of evangelism is, is a gift where there's people that equip others to share about Jesus. But their gift is not meant to be, well, there's, you know, sharing about Jesus is the evangelist's job. No, that's not it. The evangelist's job is to teach you to be able to tell other people about Jesus. You know, it's to equip the body. They're a gift to the body of Christ to show the body of Christ what to do. I share that so you don't go, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I don't, I don't need to do this. You don't need to be an evangelist. You just need to be a disciple of Jesus. Every one of us is a disciple of Jesus, I hope. We're here today. If you're not a disciple of Jesus, you know, as I say, Lee invite, gave you an invitation. If someone brought you today or if you came here on your own, then come and you know, speak to the person that brought you or come to speak to one of us. We'd be happy to introduce you to Jesus. And you know, the wonderful thing is there's not this huge process you have to go through to follow Jesus. You just have to make a decision that you want to follow him. He loves you and he's completely for you. So... Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would go out of here today with a faith that you will use each and every one of us. And with, God, your desire in each and every one of us to make an impact in this place you've called us to call home. And that we would trust you to bring people to our lives, into our lives, that we could share the truth of who Jesus is. People that you've already been working on their hearts. And that, Lord, we trust you that the people that we are praying for, that they would come to know you, that we would, you know, see those prayers answered. Because you, our prayers do not fall on deaf ears. And so we know that everyone has free will and a free choice. But we also know that as we partner with you in prayer, that you're able to work in the spirit and do, and, and do things that maybe we don't even understand. So God, we want to partner with you. I want to partner with you, Lord, to, to encourage all those that you send over the next 11 years to be reaching one person a year to know you. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would do the same. And that we would see your kingdom, that this, that this region would be completely transformed of people coming to know and follow you. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. James, thanks so much for sharing the word with us. And uh, just as you were talking, one of the phrases that stood out to me was just... Uh, of course God wants to use you. Of course he wants to use you. And, and just this, this scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 1 verses 6 and 7, it's, it's Paul talking to Timothy and he says, um, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God given you through the laying on of my hands. You have to fan it into flame. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. He is in you for a reason. Amen? And there are people in this room that need Him through you and through your ministry and through your love and through your encouragement and through your prayers for healing or for whatever else. Why not start today? 
When, when I put stuff off, the longer I put it off, the easier it is to put off. Right? God wants to use you. Why not today? Uh, church, bless you. Have an amazing week living in the love and the power of Jesus Christ. If you're here with kids, don't forget to pick them up. And please join us in fellowship and, and praying for one another and encouraging one another here in the theater on, until 12 o'clock when we have to be out. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday.